study carry that into it too with the great constraint of even talking about that for one minute. Anyway, so hang in there. Keep listening. Pastor Eric Schringer, it's my privilege this morning to open God's Word to you, and that will be from 1 Peter chapter 3. I will read 8 through 18, and then share uh, your message based on this passage. Hear God's Word. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, that you may inherit a blessing. For, as it is written in the Psalms, whoever among you would love life and see good days must keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And Peter continues, Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, as it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body alive in the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so we are uh, doing a three sermon series on knowing our story, and today in the middle one, the title of this passage or this message is actually knowing our story. Uh, last week we talked about Hittic or identity in Christ. Um, we read what I sent out this week. You know, I finally get a campaign going where they get wristbands that have IDIC on them and every time they look at the wrist, somebody can make a killing off this for catches on like WWJD. So I'm just throwing the idea out there. I don't have the capability to make it happen. So that's a not that funny way of saying the identity of Christ thing is key and foundational and central to our understanding of who we are. Um, here I, I present it as that which is finished, that's his past tense. It's a way of reminding ourselves Christ on the cross already won the victory. Christ in um, Easter in, in the resurrection has already brought us into that new life. And so all of us who follow Christ have some sort of story, and that's today's sermon number two, in which our present reality, our present state, our present story includes some of the things that God has done. So we're going to spend some time thinking about what does that mean to know that story, what does it mean to tell that story, and how do we prepare for that story. And then a little look ahead. Uh, next week we're going to look at this same sort of pattern of Christ's death and resurrection, how it shapes our lives, and we're going to think about um, future development. How does our following Christ add to the next stage of our story, which I want to suggest can be um, even more beautiful, powerful, and in Christ than today already is. But that's next week. Today we'll look at 
sign up for it, and that's why it's here. So you remember the good old days when pastors would read a whole long passage and then say, this is my text, and they'd read one verse, and then they'd preach on that? They were almost going to do that. I'm almost going to do that. You may have noticed, if you've been listening to me for a while, that I almost never do that. I usually preach on the entire passage. And that's quite simply because every verse in the passage, in my mind, has some really good stuff in it that all fits together. And so every time I talk about a text, and this is our text for today, I won't read it now, I want to talk about it in context, right? Because it's placed in a certain place for a certain reason. I actually remember when I was in, I think, in high school, and I was in some church education class, probably something called catechism, and the pastor was teaching us, and he said, read this passage, and then pick which of the verses is the text, which is the most important verse in there. And as you may guess, we did that, and we came up with at least five or six different ones, depending on how many people were in that class. Right? I actually think every verse in a passage is important, right? It just has different roles to play, and they all either contribute to context or hit the main point. So, here, the context, verse 8, first one I read, is about unity. Again, listening for the last couple months, you're going to go, really, again, he's going to talk about unity? Again, apparently it's important in the Bible. Every time we talk about gifts, the main gift passages seem to start with, let's stay united. Finally, all of you, it says here, be like-minded. That probably doesn't mean agree on absolutely everything, because we already know people don't agree on absolutely everything. But then be sympathetic, which is understanding, feel with the other person and how they're experiencing something. Love one another. That's the core commandment of the Bible, right? Don't just show or act like you love somebody. Actually love them. Remember Romans 12? Love one another. Let me see if I can look it up online now so I can make sure that I put in my address. Be compassionate. That's feel the passion of another with them. And then the sequence always go up. And humble. And humble is always about putting somebody else above yourself. So we're going to talk about knowing your story, and we're going to need to know our story in the context of the unity of a community. All right, that's the first context piece. And the second one, there are only two context ones, is sin absorption. I want to make the suggestion that one of the main tasks of followers of Jesus is to be like him. He said that. And to be like Jesus is to absorb that which is broken or evil or messed up or twisted or sinful in this world. It's not the only thing we do, but it's a very important part of what we do. It shows up again and again, also in all those um, gift passages, but here again, verse 9, do not repay evil with evil, which in case you didn't know was our natural inclination, to hit somebody back, or insult with insult, you don't want to one-up anybody who says something, you know that feeling, somebody says something to you and you just rise up, it's not just you, right, you rise up inside and you're, you're ready to nail them. Don't do that is how this passage speaks. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. And verse 17. For it's better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. What Jesus did on Good Friday, the story we tell of Jesus, was sin absorption. He was insulted. He absorbed all of that. He took with himself, you'd say, all of our stuff, all of our brokenness. He took our very self, our identity is in Christ. We are with him on that cross. 
And in so doing, he shows us that the key to every story is those places where we absorb what is broken and difficult and messed up in life all around us, but also in us. We act like Jesus in the same way. We do it by the gracious power of his Son. So, now we're going to talk about how we can tell our story about Jesus. Um, there's going to be five parts about this, and they're all going to be from verse 15. The first one is our focus, and again, I'm going to point to our identity in Christ, IDIC. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. The beginning of any one of us telling our story of life as a follower of Christ is to recognize and to sit in and to be aware of the fact that we're in Christ, that He's our Lord and Savior, we say. Savior we love because that means that He took away all that's broken in, in us and, and gave us new life. Lord is the one that we say often, but probably struggle with in practice, right? Because to say that Jesus is your Lord means that he's your master and he's in charge. Um, and everything that he does is kind of the, the rule of your life. You can actually skip that slide, by the way, slide and master. Just if you have that matrix in mind. Yeah, we don't need that one. I'll show you that one another time. That's another teaser for another sermon. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord means... In all that you are, pay attention to the fact that it's not your will, your plan, and your life. This is what our world and our hearts continues to tell us. But it's actually Jesus' life in you, Jesus' will for you, and God's plan for your reality that you're leaning into. And this, this is just something we need to come back to over and over again. And again, why I want there to be a wristband with IDIC on it, because if we would continually remind ourselves, oh yeah, my identity is in Christ, what's that mean for how I'm feeling or thinking or acting right now? That's, that's kind of where we sit, that's where we always sit. We start with Christ no matter what we're doing in the church, and so I just want to emphasize that one once again. Next slide is plan. Always be prepared. And I'm pretty sure the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. I was actually a Cub Scout, so I'm, I'm talking about telling stories, and so it reminds me of all kinds of stories. And by the way, I'm doing my best to not tell you all of my stories today because we're going to be here forever. Um, I was a Cub Scout when I was a little kid, and we had this, it's a pre-Scout, I believe, and we had this silly motto that I didn't even understand while I was doing it. We would say, dib, no, the leader would say, dib, 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 and we would say, I will dob, 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 and I just said that because they told me to say it. I don't know if you know what that means. Dib, dib, dib is D-Y-B, 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 do your best, the leader would tell us. And we'd say, we will dob, 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 we will do our best, we will do our best, we will do our best. They probably should have told me what it meant earlier, though. That would have been more helpful. And then you get some scouts, which I never got to because I was part of this kind of a church, and I went to cadets. Always be prepared. Always be ready. Always have some sort of a plan. And... I really just didn't want to use the word prepared as my word because it's already in the text, but prepared is actually a better word than plan, so let's actually go there. Plan is to say, in telling my story, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say this. I'd rather you were prepared, which is to say, I know my story, and I'll say the piece that has to come out according to the conversation we're having. You see the difference? Right? If we have a plan... Say we have a five-year plan for the church, and we're saying in year five, we're going to do this. Right? So five years ago, we had a five-year plan for this church. It probably would not have included a pandemic. 
right? And I think we've done a little bit of change around the area of kind of preparation is to say, this is the direction we're going to go, and every year we're going to ask the question, well, how do we need to assess that based on what's going on right now? Right? So likewise, as you tell your story, um, plan, prepare, and I'm going to show you how to do that later in the sermon, but make sure that the story you tell isn't just you telling your story whether somebody's listening or not, right? But make sure it's a story that interacts with the people you are engaged with. Always be prepared. text is to give an answer to everyone who asks. When I read that text, this is the question that comes to my mind. How am I going to get Jesus asking about my faith? Maybe, but then I guess most of you are. People don't actually want to ask you about your faith. So I can easily attest to this because anytime you get together with people and they don't know you, what's one of the questions they're going to ask you? So what do you do for a living? And I like to say it. Stop talking about faith. Right? I'm a pastor. All right, how about those new days? Most people, even most church people, let's be honest, aren't always that excited to talk about that which is central to their belief system, um, their plans. I actually, for a while, took to telling people that I was a life coach. It's pretty close. I some life coaching. It allowed for a lot more conversation, by the way. You then got to talk about, well, as a life coach, I'm kind of interested. What's really valuable to you? What, is, what really makes a difference to you? And we got into matters of faith. So, how do you get people to ask you the kind of questions that allow you to tell your story? Well, I call it catch and pitch. You notice I put catch first. You don't throw the ball first, you catch the ball first. And catching in a conversation, of course, is listening. It's, it's allowing the other person to say things and listening to... What are they saying about themselves? What are they saying is important to them? What are they saying that is valuable in their life? What are they saying is significant and challenging in their life? Right? And when you hear those things, what in your story, before you pitch, would actually connect with what they're telling you. Right? So if somebody tells me, you know what, I lost um, a very important person in my life at an early age. Right? I will ask them a bunch of questions on that based on the fact that I also lost somebody very important in my life, my father at a very early age, right? And then I'll be allowed, finally, after a long time, by the way, and doing this quickly, like this is learning, to pitch back to them that this is what allowed me to want to do that which is going on. Right? Catch first, and then pitch. And I say underhand, I don't mean to be underhanded, right? Underhand is, is a love, right? I often say to somebody, they, they, they will throw in a comment, and I will make a humorous comment back at them. I say, if you're going to lob the ball at me, I'm going to hit it. Likewise, when you throw your story at somebody, make sure you're lobbing it to them so that you're not trying to whip a fastball by them or hit them with the pitch, which would be a lot worse than you can get. Right? Underhand, don't throw your story in a gentle way such that as they hear it, they're going, wow, yeah, I can think about that. Not, boy, i got to make a decision right now about what you just said or do what I do. All right, catch and pitch. Next slide. The text is at the bottom there. Give the reason for the hope that you have. And I'll suggest to you that your reason for the hope that you have is actually a story. I hear over and over again people basically saying, I don't feel like I know enough in order to share my faith with somebody yet. And what I want to suggest to you is nobody knows your faith better than you do. So let's get into it. Um, again, in a minute, I'm going to teach you how to tell your story. Just some basic steps. 
right? The reason for the hope that you have is because you have lived a life and had an experience where that hope has come into play and you've experienced it, right? Suzanne earlier shared her story of Ken Liedema, right? That was a faith story that shaped her, that she felt and experienced and remembered. So when she sees Ken Liedema today, she remembers, boy, this was a, this was a giant of our faith who, who could speak to me through the songs that he composed um, about me in that moment. The reason I have hope is because I have walked through so many different experiences where God has shown me that He is present in my life. Um, I find it amazing now that, I say this carefully, when you come and sit with me and share honestly about something that you're struggling with, I get excited. Story. I get excited not because you're struggling, but because. I have come to learn that that's precisely where God is going to work. Right? In fact, if you want to know if there's any disappointment I've had so far in my time among you, is that not more of you are coming to me with things that you're really struggling with. Right? I might have phrased that way, but that would be a blessing for me, that opportunity to help more and more people walk through that which is a challenge in their life. Because the reason I have hope is because every time that I've really struggled, God has found a way to turn that opportunity um, to hope and blessing and renewal and restoration for other people. The reason is the story you always know enough to share the hope that you have. It's the reason I have hope. And then finally, fifth point before I explain what I'm going to do. Um, it's sort of like saying there's five points I'm going to get to. I have more, but five more. Go for style points. Do this with gentleness and respect. It's fun that this verse, verse 15, and we know the verses were put on later, so this was done by somebody who wasn't done by Peter when he wrote this. He didn't write a half a sentence and then write a little 15 by it. Verse 15 ends with this beginning of the next sentence. Right? So as you tell your story, do it with gentleness and respect. And it's really about going, I call it style points. Right? There are certain Olympic activities where there's your ability to do it accurately and correctly and properly. And then your style points, which, you know, based on the judge's feeling that day, I guess. Right? Go for style points when you're telling your story because it's not just that it's accurate to what actually happened. In fact, I suggest to you that none of us have a very accurate memory. Most of us have a memory twisted by other things that have happened along the way. Another conversation. Make sure that as you tell your story, the accuracy of it is overshadowed by your attention to the person who's listening your gentleness in sharing the truth of who God is in your life and respect for where the person's at in that moment. Right? Go for style points. Now, I'm going to show you how to prepare your story. So I'll explain that. So I'm going to show you mine. Maybe I'll show you one first. So, as happens when you pull out your story, funny story with this one, Dave Chicklar helped me make this. Not your fault, Dave, that it's so messy. That's all my all on me. Um, I did that then, probably in the late 90s. Dave and I were probably a little bit younger back then. Uh, that's enough of that now. You can't just be angry. So, first thing you do to make one of these is you pray to the Holy Spirit to guide your memory. Because I've now, I did that one late 90s, I'm guessing. I did this one first, probably, say, around 2008 or so. Um, and then I updated it again after that. And I'm ready for another one because it ends at Brampton, so I need a, I need a, a Grimsby kind of a, a scheme on there. But as you do this, recognize that the story that you need to tell as a follower of Christ working in your community 
is the one that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. Right? So every time I look at this, actually when I look at this, sometimes there's, there's a name on here, and I'm going, I don't know who that is anymore. Right? It might just be a sign of my poor memory. But it could also be that when I wrote this, that person was vitally important in my mind because they had done something, said something to me that shaped who I am. And at this stage of my life, that's no longer as, as big of a deal. Right? And so we praise the Holy Spirit at the start of this because we recognize the Spirit is stronger than our minds and our memories, so the Spirit will guide us through the things that we need to remember this time. And so I've done this and led groups on this four or five, six times now, and every time it's different memories that come, and I believe that's the Holy Spirit guiding me because those memories is this time of my journey. Okay, so pray first. And then write your memories quickly. Right, so I suggest that you sit in prayer, and you can sort of stay in a prayer posture as you do this, and then have a, obviously a pad and a pen in front of you, or put it on your computer and type it in. Write quickly, and what I mean by that is don't get into all the details. So every one of these things on here has a maximum of, say, seven, eight words on it, right? So this is grade 12 graduation, it says right there. I don't need to write out all the details because it's my memory. I remember my grade 12 graduation, right? What I need is just a, a prompt that goes, okay, that's that memory. And that allows you to do however many sticky notes I have on here, right? 50, 70, 100 in a short time. And those are the memories. Don't worry, I know there's a lot of very organized and perfectionist people out there. You don't need to have all of your memories, all right? In fact, it's impossible to have all of your memories, so relax on that. Take the ones that God gives you in 20 minutes to a half hour, write those down. Okay, then that's number two. Then number three, and by the way, if you're ever wondering, what does Pastor Eric ever think about spending a really practical individual study? Right? This is it, so make sure you do this one. Um, put each one of these on a sticky note. Now, I realize normally when I do this, I have a drawer full of colored sticky notes, and I think how that's going to ramp it, so I don't have a drawer full of colored sticky notes, and I would hand them out to you and let you pick them. There's a lot of other ways to do this, and you're creative people. You'll figure this out. Do put one memory on each sticky note. They can all be the same color. That doesn't really matter. Because you can write, say, you want to accent. These are the positive ones. Put a plus on them. These are the negative ones. Put a negative sign on them. You can mark all kinds of different ways. That is up to you, right? You're basically taking your memories, putting them each on a sticky note so that you can, number four, organize them. And you can organize them in various ways. That one we had a plan where we were taught to do, and we organized it according to um, early things that happened in our lives and then key spiritual moments and so on. This one I did. These are all the different main places that I've lived. Uh, Dane City, Orwellan, St. Catherine, Redeemer University, the state, call it exile, uh, Waterdown, and then Brampton, and now I need a gym to do one. Right? These are all the key people in my life. Um, and then these are just different events. And you see there's different colors on mine, which helps when I'm showing this to you from so far. I told them not to focus in. There's a lot of very personal stuff on here. So this is my father's death. And you can tell that color is the negative thing. This is my class school exam. This is when I was examined to become a pastor. You'll see that's also a negative thing in my life. All I will say about that now, because it's not my turn to tell my whole long story, is that those were two tastes of hell in my life, which both produced um, what God was trying to draw out of me so that I could be the person I am as a pastor in the church today. Right? And every one of those, I think the red sticky notes, right? when I go over them, those ones I go over right away all the time now when I look at this because I know those are the moments that connect with what other people are going through in this world, right? And they allow me to speak into their lives. That's the truth of God. So 
Organize it however you want to. I've seen amazing ways that people organize this. You can probably tell from afar that I'm not that organizing person, so I'm not the model. That's why my number four is just one word, organize. You figured it out. You're probably better at it than I am. And then all the most important, share it with somebody. If you're in a small group, an even more detailed version of this is in the uh, small group question conversation. Um, if you're not in a small group, um, you can do this with your family, you can do this with your friends, you can do this over Zoom. Um, you can do this all kinds of different ways. And of course, the reason you're sharing with somebody is because it's one thing to write all those sticky notes. It's another thing to take them, present them in front of other people, show them, and then tell that story because that's when the emotions can to connect with it. Right? When I was on, uh, I was on an eight-day silent retreat, which was probably one of my sticky notes, a very uh, life-shaping experience for me. And every day I would walk around, and I had assignments from a spiritual director. I'd get to talk to somebody for about 15 minutes a day and, and share what God was saying to me. And I would make some notes in my, in my journal and so on. And then my spiritual director would say, well, read what you wrote. And I wrote it really quickly, no problem. And I'd read it to her, and I'd start crying because it was just so powerful to say out loud what my story is, right? And so I told you, there's a sticky note on there, my father's death. And I tell you the story around that and how that shaped my faith. That's a whole lot more powerful than just getting theology. And the reason we do that in community is because it's practice, right? We are hopefully a community of people who are safe for each other, who can listen to each other, who can bless each other. And my experience is once you've told your story in a safe place, you're a little more confident to go, I might actually try to figure out how to understand what he means. That's me for the reason for the hope that I have, because I've learned those stories are true for me and really powerful when they shape my life. So, please, do this in one way, shape, or form or another. If this is not stage in your life in which you can do it, do it a little later. At some point in your life, anyone I've done this with tells me it's an amazingly powerful, helpful experience just for understanding yourself, let alone for sharing with another person. Please do this task, and if you want to brag about the fact that you've done it, I love it when you give me an email that says, hey, that was a great assignment, I did it, or even, I didn't really like that assignment, I did it anyways, but even, I did it, I didn't like it, and it didn't work. Either way, let me know that you did it. I love to hear that people are connecting and trying and wondering about exactly who we are speaking on together. Knowing our stories, preparing to do that, right? We're preparing for September. I wish I could sort of glean that and guarantee you, but I thought last week was where we were going to be back together. September, we've got to be back together, right? We've got to be everybody in the building can be doing what we need to do. In September, we're going to start leaning into some of these things, uh, practicing our stories, telling them to other people, uh, doing all the stuff that we're preparing for now. So prepare this now and look forward to September and further the Bible reading hope that we'll be able to do that much easier with some more resources. To that end, let's pray. Jesus, Thank you that you are part of our story. Thank you for the way you show up. Um, as we see again and again in some of the challenging times, thank you for the gift of the beautiful memories that we have. And thank you for opportunities to pause and reflect. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that as a community, we may each find time to reflect on how you've been active and powerful in our lives. And as we compile that story, as we find somebody's somebody to share that with, we may then find a true blessing in knowing the things we're doing, the reasons that we have for hope. And Lord, as we gather those things, as we share those things, prepare us to 
prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare ourselves. Surely, Lord, we wait.